there. Paula Eamon here with a heart full of love for you and a heart's desire to encourage you to endure this short life with joy and hope by the grace of God for the glory of God. As the holidays are now upon us, and I was recently reminded that it can be a time of great joy and also great sorrow, I thought there would be no better time than now to share this interview with you. Let's dive right into episode nine, Joy and Suffering. Okay, well, I have my friend Michelle Level here with me today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Of course. Michelle is a dear friend. We were just chit-chatting before I started the recording, and we remembered that we were only in Idaho together for three years. Her husband was a pastor there. They were in Ashton, Idaho, which, if you ask me, was the coldest place on the planet. (laughs) Always so. Oh, and we were both part of um, a pastor's fellowship where we would get together. I'm trying to remember, was it once a month? How often did we get together? I think it was once a month. Yeah, we would get together and we would all eat lunch together and just basically hang out. I'm sure we all prayed together, but um, that's probably where we spent the most time together. But we also had children that were similar ages, so we would get together and things like that. And um, I wrote down one of my memories is, um, I'm probably not even calling it the right thing. It probably had its own Ashton, Idaho term, but the Iditarod. So we went to see the the sled dog race. Yes, uh, that was, it was, uh, race that you could qualify for the Iditarod. Okay. And, uh, but the church was smack dab in the middle of Main Street. And so our church decided to have other churches come up and we would grill hot dogs and hamburgers, even though it was probably zero degrees outside. Chris <laughs> would set the grill out there and we would barbecue and invite anybody from the town who wanted to come in as well but it was a good chance for other churches to come up and enjoy the dog sled races yeah it was so much fun yeah this southern girl I had never seen anything in my life like that so but we loved it so much the kids loved it of course they were little bitties at that point but that is such a fun memory that we have and um and also um you and your family left Idaho before we did And I remember, and you went straight to Arizona, am I correct? Yes, we went down to Phoenix area. Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix area. And so I remember specifically you and I just standing in the driveway and having a heart to heart. And you were just talking about some of the things that were on your heart. And I talked about um, just some trials that we had been through. And um, and I still to this day, I'm I'm just going to keep it private between the two of us and that memory. But to this day, I still remember the things that we talked about. And I was so thankful for you as a friend just coming alongside me. And uh, and I hope I did the same for you. But um, that that conversation really impacted me. And I still think about it to this day. Oh, that's neat. I. Your friendship meant so much to me, Mm -hmm. just being alone up there, you Mm -hmm. felt so very alone. And we felt like allies in the ministry and we needed each other so, so much. So, Mm -hmm. and our husbands were dear, dear friends. I mean, to this day, Jason considers your husband to have been one of his dearest friends. So I'm just so thankful for, uh, if you haven't uh, ministered in Idaho, (laughs) it's hard to, it's hard to uh, communicate what we all went through, but, um, to have, uh, ministry friends and really allies, um, was just priceless, um, in those years. So I'm thankful that we all had each other. 
Me too. <laughs> Michelle is originally from Des Moines, Iowa. She grew up in a Christian home that was very active in the local church. She was constantly exposed to the gospel. Michelle came to a saving knowledge of Christ when she was eight. She was very content in her faith. But like so many, her junior high years proved to be a challenge to who walk with the Lord. Her high school years proved even more difficult for her to maintain a faithful walk with the Lord. But God sovereignly and lovingly disciplined her. While she was a freshman at Bible college, God got a hold of her heart. She came under the conviction that her actions needed to line up with the beliefs she claimed. With a determination that her life was not a stumbling block for others, she committed to a life of doing what the Lord wanted her to do. By God's grace, she graduated from Bible college and met her sweet hubby. Let's listen to how they met. Um, well, like I said, it took me a long time to get through school. Yeah. <laughs> well, my senior year, this is kind of a funny story, so I'll try to get through it really quickly. Okay. Uh, my senior year, I had a underclassman class. I waited until my senior year to take it, so it was 7 o'clock in the morning, and I would rush in one or two minutes late, find the last chair I could find, very disheveled, like I had just thrown on my clothes, grabbed my bag and ran out the door, which pretty much I had. Yeah. <laughs> but in Bible college with the girls, they always tried to get up early and do their hair and make sure that they all look nice and not me. I didn't care. <laughs> Chris was a transfer student in and he would see me come in and he was thinking, that's a very unusual girl. Yeah. <laughs> For better no life, right? <laughs> love at first sight kind of moment at all. It was like, that's a very interesting girl. And, um, but then as the year progressed, Christmas time came and I had to, I was singing a solo in the Christmas concert. And um, I remember thinking that night, my future husband could be in the out in there, you know, listening to me tonight. <laughs> Just one of those fleeting thoughts that thoughts that go through your head. And so I sang the solo, and he was thinking, "I want to marry a girl like that." Oh. So um, later on that spring, we were in a play together, and he was driving a truck with Idaho plates, and having the Idaho connection made the perfect way to actually talk to him. <laughs> so I went up to him and I asked about his Idaho plates if he was from Idaho. And so we carried on a conversation and we hit it off and went to a spring banquet. And so we had a lot in common and we uh, just uh, got engaged about seven months later. And then in uh, July of 2000. Oh, I love those. I love those quick turnaround romances. That's awesome. So um, it was, I love to tell the story to our kids because it was, we had wanted to do things right. We both wanted to serve God. We both loved God and we both wanted our whole lives and our focus to be about God and Christ. Mm -hmm. so. Praise the Lord. Sadly, as life so often does, Michelle and Chris met a deep trial that would put their faith to the test. We were in the midst of a ministry in Phoenix, and Chris just felt this pull to come back to Idaho. Um, Idaho was his passion for ministry. He loved Idaho. He felt like they were his 
people, he understood them. Mm -hmm. uh, we were particularly interested in Eastern Idaho, which is very different than the Western side of Idaho, but deep mission field. But he just loved, he loved Eastern Idaho. And he was looking forward to going to a ministry that he was very passionate about working with a team ministry with a, a pastor friend. And so we had resigned our church in Phoenix and sold our house, got an offer on the house. It was the 1st of June, 2015. And that same week, after all of that had happened, he found a lump underneath his arm. And we were very concerned and went to go get an ultrasound. And the ultrasound tech um, was very concerned, but obviously couldn't say anything and said, I'm sure your doctor will take very good care of you. Well, Chris, being a typical male, hadn't gone to have routine care. <laughs> he didn't have a normal physician that we had gone to. And so it made getting treatment or at least getting some kind of diagnosis very difficult at first. But we were supposed to meet with a surgeon to do a biopsy, but we misunderstood. It wasn't just a biopsy, it was just a consult. And we were in the midst of moving. We were on our way out the door the next week. And she said, well, I can't do the biopsy until next week and you're going to be gone when you get to Idaho take care of it immediately so we met with a doctor that he had gone to probably 15 18 years earlier before he had gone off to college and he immediately ordered a round of tests and on August 20th we received the diagnosis it was aggressive melanoma cancer and it had metastasized all over his body um, when the doctor went through the PET scan, he started and he didn't even make it through the whole body. He just stopped because the cancer had spread to his spine, to his elbow, to his lungs, to his liver. It was in his abdomen, his pelvis. And Chris was really in a lot of pain and at that point. And we, it was a terminal diagnosis, aggressive cancer and stage four terminal. And so we sat in that doctor's office listening to a terminal diagnosis mm. from a doctor who was very agnostic, mm. probably atheistic. Mm. And But we knew that God was in control of the whole situation, that nothing was, nothing was a surprise to him. And the hardest was just sharing it with the family and the kids. And at that time, our kids, we had three kids. Um, our oldest was 12. Um, our middle was 11 and our youngest was nine. Mm -hmm. And so um, we had to walk through that cancer, that terminal can cancer diagnosis with our, our three kids. And it was very difficult because how do you share with their kids? It's not just if, it's when. Yeah. And how long before we just didn't know the one of the only options for the melanoma cancer was immunotherapy and it was brand new mm -hmm. back in 2015 they were still it was still on the experimental stage and so even with the insurance it was hard to figure out what kind of treatment he was going to be able to get and so um but he started he did start treatment it wasn't as soon as we needed to and 
it was it was just too late by the time we actually started treatment the cancer was already so far spread and so um on october 15th 2015 um the cancer just did its work and uh chris passed away and he walked with god <laughs> i like to say that because Chris loved God. He just always had such a passion for getting out into the outdoors so that he could commune with God and just pray to God. He was a fisherman, but it wasn't about the fish. It was just him going out and having his quiet and alone time with God. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why he wanted to come back to Idaho too, was because he just wanted to feel like he could get away and, um, and just worship God um, out in his creation. And so I was just said when we were coming back to Idaho, Chris wanted to come back to Idaho so that he could meet God. <laughs> and God said, just come on home. Yes. So but I just got to study through um, the life of Enoch, and uh, I just love that. There's not a lot said about Enoch, but it's very obvious that Enoch loved God, and then he got to walk with God. Mm -hmm. And so as you were talking about Chris, it made me think about that, about Enoch, and the Lord just called him on up there, you know. Even knowing that Chris was now with his Savior, we were all devastated. Such a great loss. Michelle was left to wonder why the Lord allowed this to happen. I don't know why. That's yeah. that's the golden question when a spouse passes away, whether it's young or old. Right. We always ask why. Yeah. Why? I think it's easier to answer when they're older because that is just the natural course of things. But when they're young, whether it's cancer or a car accident or some you know, being the victim of a crime, there's always that why, why? And ultimately we don't know. There's no answer that we can give to that question, except for God is in control and he's sovereign and he is good. And we have to, we have to trust in that and rely on that or else we sink into despair and lose hope. And that is the absolute worst place to be. Mm -hmm. and because I know, I know I have not even touched the deep valley that you're talking about and I but I know I've been through enough um that you know the song maybe a silly old camp song we sing God is so good God is so good God is so good he's so good to me and I think it's so easy to flippantly sing songs like that but when you've been through darkness in life the ability to be able to sing that is is incredible and it's only the grace of god because there are these deep trials that we go through that cause us to doubt and and if you ever say you haven't doubted god's goodness well i just wonder <laughs> right but but you know you go through these times and you you do wonder that so in light of that um is there a truth about god or a passage of scripture that has anchored you through this deep valley in such a way that you've been able to communicate it with not only your children well maybe i should say first with yourself and then ability to communicate it to your children and then vicariously to other people even beyond that sphere of influence um i'll address or i'll go through some of the things that 
you really truly have to believe in order to make it through widowhood or being a widower or any kind of loss or any kind of trials. Um, being a widow is not the only trial that is out there. People go through all sorts of things, but here's some truths that just really have grounded me and just helped me get through some of the most darkest um, or the darkest days that God is good. And I think you're right. Sometimes we sing that flippantly, but you really have to believe that Psalm 27, 13 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And there have been so many times when I've just had to cling to that verse because it is so easy to lose heart. And in fact, 2018 and 19 were two of my darkest years. I really just don't remember a whole lot that happened through those years. I could pinpoint specific events, but they were really struggling years, not just for me, but for the kids as well. You get past the first two years of losing a parent and you you work through some of those questions and then real life hits and I am alone. There is no one else to turn off the light and I'm already in bed and the lights are all on downstairs. I have to get up out of bed. You know, there's no one else coming to bed who can shut off those lights. It's those type of moments where you realize I really am alone and I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. You know, you go through those dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then of course, Satan uses those to progress to why am I alone? Why do I have to be alone? What did I do to deserve this? What, what did I do that was so bad that God had to take Chris? And mm -hmm. there, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're there for a prolonged amount of time, it just, it does, it leads to despair mm -hmm. and you really have to cling to God. I mean, as his child, he draws us back, of course, obviously. And so God doesn't leave us there for long. He always shows his goodness and it may not always be in the ways that we think, but sometimes it's just his overarching goodness that you see in other ways that you realize, you know what, God is still here. Little tiny answers to prayer that God shows you that he is still caring and he's still there providing and loving and um, just you are still part of his plan. Mm. And, um, and you do when you see those little things that God has done, then it lifts you out of out of that despondency and that despair. Um, one of the other things is that God is perfect in all he does. Um, Philippians 1, 6, we quote this and we know it, but sometimes we don't believe it. Being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm still here and God is still working. And his plan, even though I don't understand it, is perfect. And he's doing a work in me. And man, I just need to get out of the way and let him work and be, just show me who he is. 
in my life and conform me to his image and conform me to what he wants me to be. Because ultimately, that is what God wants from me. Um, all things work to God, together for good to those who he has called according to his purpose, that they may conform to the image of his son. And so the whole purpose of all this isn't just to make me happy or to make me a good mom, to make me a good widow, the widow that everybody needs to be like, it's to be like Christ. And so that has to be my focus. And it doesn't mean that it is easy. <laughs> there are some days where, especially early on, man, I just, I know it says God makes no mistakes, but I'm pretty sure he made a mistake with this one. I mean, there are so many days when I would sit there doing dishes, just bawling my eyes out because I was sure that God had made a mistake. There is no way I should be a single mom. I'm a terrible single mom. I can't, even though I'm independent, it's all a show. I am so needy when it comes to wanting somebody to be there to help facilitate these hard questions in life and to answer the questions. I don't always have all the answers. And in finances, what on earth was God thinking? Oh. I am the worst person to be in charge of our home family finances. <laughs> you know, all of those doubts about myself, just Satan uses to press on me and say, are you sure that God is good? Are you sure that God loves you? And in the end, I have to rely on his word. And sometimes my only prayer is help my unbelief. Oh, yes. I am really struggling today. Help my unbelief. It has to be you doing this because in my own flesh, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this situation. But it's what I'm going through. And I know God has a purpose and a plan for it. Um, when... One passage in particular um, that I hold close is Ecclesiastes 7, 13, and 14. It's consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. And... It's so easy to thank God when the easy days come, but then when the hard things come, when a spouse dies or you face financial struggles, a loss of a job, whatever those big losses are, another miscarriage or the adoption falls through. It's easy to despair and think, I, what is God doing? Why? do I deserve this? What have I done? And it's, it's not about that. It's, we live in a sinful world mm -hmm. and bad things happen and cruel things happen and sorrowful things happen. And God is the God of all. And he, um, he has a plan and a purpose. And I don't know that. I don't know what it is, but I know that I can trust in his goodness and in his love and in his holiness and in his sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. Titus 1, 2, um, it says, in the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. And so when I doubt all of those things and I do fall into despair and depression and I 
throw my pity parties and I have had my fair share. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, really, I'm calling God a liar. Mm -hmm. God, you don't love me. God, you are not perfect. You do make mistakes. And, and then I fall into the deeper trap. And, but then I have to rely on God's word and confess my sin of unbelief. Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for accusing you. Forgive me for all of these things that I'm saying against your character and your nature. And because God is who he says he is (laughs) and I am his child, he forgives and he picks us up and, um, and loves us. And, you know, not every, not every time you cry, is it doubting or despair? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just cry because it's sad. It's sad to lose a spouse and it's sad. It's sad when things happen and, we sorrow and we should sorrow because those things are not right. That's not the way things should be. And so we sorrow. And I think so many times God is not so many times all the time. God is always there, even in our tears when we are crying. And um, I always like to think of it as, um, you know, some people they have, coffee with god putting my air quote <laughs> i'm coffee seeing your air god. quotes you all aren't <laughs> coffee with jesus you right. know <laughs> and me and my widowhood i'm thinking you know i don't have coffee with jesus i am uh picturing me this is kind of gross but puking my guts out but god is holding my hair out of my face yeah that's a very powerful visual actually because he doesn't make it all go away but he's there by my side through every tear and through every struggle of being a single parent and having to make decisions and you know making decisions and struggling with making decisions isn't isn't wrong we struggle because we want to make the right decision and it's not always spelled out in left and right should i send my children to school or should i continue to homeschool should should i get a full-time job or should i continue doing part-time job through the home some of those things aren't right or wrong decisions we have to make decisions and we struggle so much to make those decisions and there's a lot of tears that come along with it. And, and so God is just there holding our hands through all of it and he gives grace and he opens doors and he gives you peace when you make, make a decision. And if you, but you have to go into it saying, Lord, this is the decision that I feel that you want me to make. If it is not the right decision, close the door and open another one and give me peace. Help me to know that this is the right decision. And in every time, every every time in every case, I've always felt the peace of God when I have had to make a decision. And, and every decision just needs to be done in humility, understanding that, you know, God, it has to be... Um, with the understanding that we have our plan A, but God might have a plan B and not to be so set in our ways. And maybe being a widow, you understand that there is no set plan A. <laughs> you know, we say that in the book of James where never say this is going to be 
my way <laughs> because right. Right. Uh, things may change. I, I can't <laughs> think of the whole. Yeah, um, but he says uh, something about, but Lord willing, I will do this, 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 this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's it. yes. <laughs> so I show you just said so many things that have just really resonated with me. And I, I think, you know, just saying, um, I'm crying because this is just really sad, you know, and I just think of um, the verse that talks about rejoicing with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And uh, what is it? The first chapter of Ecclesiastes just talks about um, there is a time to mourn and um, just that being okay with this is just sad and not beating ourselves up with it. Just I am crying not because I don't love Jesus. I'm crying because this is sad. And, um, and I, I thank the Lord that he, he comes alongside us. And there's so many passages in scripture that refer to weeping and mourning and just groaning, our spirits groaning and things like that. So thank you for the reminder that we don't have to beat ourselves up about it. You know, life can just be sad and um, allowing ourselves that opportunity to, to grieve and mourn is okay. Um, and just the fact that Jesus wept and I know, um, you know, you've been around the block long enough. You hear passages of scripture taught from a lot of different angles. And, uh, in that passage there, of course he wept. I understand Lazarus was one of his dear friends. And so there was that weeping there, but I've also heard it taught in addition to that, that Jesus was weeping because the world is so broken and death comes because of sin that was never his original plan and so as he's looking at the effects of of what sin has done and, and death really i would say being the ultimate thing that sin has done mm -hmm. and um and he just grieved in his spirit even then but then the other thing that came to mind is you know even when you're asking god why um, my kids and I have been studying, um, my husband actually wrote a study on the book of James and we've been doing it for our, our homeschool Bible. And one of the, uh, I believe, I believe it's one five. I'm not looking at my Bible right now, but it just talks about how, when we ask God for wisdom, he gives it generously. And my favorite two, some of my favorite two verses in scripture are without reproach. You know, he gives us that wisdom and he doesn't beat us over the head with it and makes us feel really bad that we asked him. Because it's like, what, what, who was the disciple that says, well, where else would we go, Lord? You have the words of life. So, oh, how much the Lord loves when we come to him with questions. Now, in his sovereignty, and this can be hard for us, he doesn't always give us the answers why. And I know in the book of Job, I used to be afraid of reading Job. I was like, if I read it, he's going to do all those things to me. I'm going to be held accountable. <laughs> but actually, even when we lived in Idaho, I was like, you know what? I am studying the book of Job. And it really, really was rich to me. Um, but just the fact that Job actually did ask God why. And he didn't get the exact answer that he was probably expecting. Um, God just gave him a lesson on who he is. And so i just i appreciate all of the things that you brought up there that's it's so good and we i think i don't know what it is about christians and maybe it's just a certain group of christians and i am definitely putting myself in this group we're just so hard on ourselves all the time you know and i don't know if that's the flesh or just um the fiery darts of the wicked but we just walk around punching ourselves all the time and not that we need to ever reject the conviction of the holy spirit i mean that's a very important part of our growing but we just kind of defeat ourselves so often instead of looking to the grace of God that he 
he has for us, you know, so <clears throat> go to the Lord with questions. I mean, he's the best one, right? Right. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and he always answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In his word. Yeah. In the years ahead, Michelle stayed very busy, which is characteristic of how she's always lived life. Homeschooling her kids was only one of the things keeping her busy. The pandemic, however, proved to be an incredibly healing time for her and her kids, as they were able to spend a ton of intentionally focused time with each other. 2020 and 2021 were, in her words, pretty good family years. Her kids are now nearing their adult years, as she has a nearly 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 16-year-old. Nowadays, she teaches piano lessons, which has been her all-time favorite job because she can do it from her home. This helps her be available for her kids. She also has a part-time job to provide additional income. She's talked about the Lord being her source of strength. Now let's listen to who else proved to be an anchor for Michelle and her kids, especially on her hardest, most exhausted days. Walking through those years, 2018, 19, and even 20, um, were very different for the kids. They each had their own special needs. And um, sometimes I met them and was able to walk them through it. And sometimes I didn't, and I wasn't able to. And so, but having a great church was was one of the most important things. And I can't stress that enough. It's easy when you're a single parent or when you have things that go wrong in your life to just not have the energy to go to church. Mm -hmm. I just don't have the energy, but those are the days that you need to be in church because out being underneath the word of God, you will falter and you will fail. And, um, and My kids, you know, we'd be in church and I'd be in tears. Maybe I had, we had had an argument or something. You know, they would say, why are we even coming to church? Because I don't want to be here. And that's why we're here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. And so I, I always thought the times when I don't want to be in church are the times when I have to be in church the most. And without fail. Every single time I would sit there and I would sit down in my seat and say, Lord, I don't want to be here. I just want to be at home with the covers over my head crying, but you have me here. And every single time, I mean, I think we would start in on the first song, singing the first song and the tears would just flow. So if you were in a church and you have a widow or widower or someone who is going through a hard time and they cry, do not discourage them. Mm -hmm. Let them cry because if there's any place where they need to be, feel free to express all of the emotion and the heartache that is going on in their life, Mm -hmm. it has to be with the church body because they are brothers and sisters in Christ and we bear each other's burdens and we have to be able to show that there are hard things in life, but God is still good. Mm -hmm. And I will still serve God, even though there is hard things in this life. And Mm -hmm. even though my heart is breaking, I am still going to serve him and I will not deny him. Mm -hmm. And we have to wrap our arms around those hurting people Absolutely. and let them cry. Yeah. And you know, that that's such a good reminder to all of us that we don't know what 
somebody has been through even to walk in the doors of church. I mean, walking in the doors of church can be in and of itself a victory. And so how much more, and I know church services can be really busy because we are singing and we're praying and we're, you know, listening to the word of God. So of course that can't happen in the church service, but before it, after it, even if you're sitting beside somebody, put your arm around them or just anything and call them on the phone that week or whatever, but just, just to treat each other delicately and tenderly. Um, mm -hmm. I think is so very important because like I said, and of course, like you so beautifully said, you just don't know what somebody has been through that morning, even to get the victory to, to, to go at all. And so thank you for that reminder that we just need to, we are the body of Christ. And this just podcast after podcast, this keeps coming out in the biographies that I'm reading and the people that I'm talking to. Almost everyone have said, hands down, my church came alongside me. Um, other believers that I know came alongside me, and I just don't think we ever, until we get to heaven, will realize how much we need each other, and just to lean hard into that, and man, we just, we need each other. Yes, and um, our the church that I go to, that I attend, has just been wonderful about embrace, just working with my kids, and doesn't mean though that everything turns out perfect. Right. Uh, the children are still their own individual people. And right. so it's easy to think, well, that family's not going through what I'm going through. Or mm -hmm. that girl, that lady on that podcast, she doesn't know what my children have, have done or what the decisions that my children are making. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I have children that are living in the same world they are. Yeah. And and just because, um, you know, I walk in faith doesn't mean that my children always walk in faith or profess Christ. And so um, I have the same heartaches that a lot of other parents are facing at this time. And it's easy for me to say, well, if Chris were here, this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. I, my child wouldn't have rejected God. But I don't know that. I have, There's lots of parents out there who are loving God and both husband and wife and the child still walks away from God. And so, um, it's, um, we all share in a lot of the same struggles, no matter what we go through. And so, um, it's from this podcast, it would sound like my family is always perfect, but we're not. And so, but God is good. And I know that God is sovereign and he is in control and I can just rest in his sovereignty over my family um, and my kids' lives that they're still all breathing. And so every day that they have breath is a day that they can confess Christ. And um, thankfully, I have seen the goodness of God in, in, um, a few of my children's lives. And so, um, but I pray that it has always been my prayer. Pray that God would continue to work in my kids' lives, that they would choose him and, or that they would just walk in him and that he would um, just take the blinders off their eyes and let them hear. And so thankfully I've seen God work in, um, two of my children's lives, but one is walking away. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard as a parent, then you add that struggle, not just losing my spouse, but now seeing one of my children walk away. It's, 
it's hard to see. And, but I have to know that God is good, that his plan is perfect, that he is sovereign. Mm -hmm. And I just need to be what God wants me to be. And I need to be the parent that God wants me to be and always pointing to Christ. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know how the Lord works this next part out that I'm going to say, and I will leave it up to his sovereign wisdom. But I think of um, Acts 16, 31, where that um, jailer was um, about to um, end his own life because he was afraid that his prisoners were escaping. <clears throat> and he asks um, Paul and Silas there, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And uh, I love how uh, Paul turns it completely around to the spiritual side and he says believe on the lord jesus christ and you'll be saved and then he gives a caveat in thy house and my kids and i were just studying i think i hope i'm saying this right i, I think it was rahab that we were studying and and it's it talks about two uh, those two spies tell her you know if you follow this instruction this instruction you will be saved in your house and again i don't know how the lord works that out i i but i my takeaway from that is boy, the power of one believer in a family. And just to live that testimony of, I love Jesus, he is worth living for, and then just leaving it in his hands. You know, of course, lovingly coming alongside of our children, but just being that, if you're the only one, being that one person in that house that that influences your house for for the glory of God, that I think there's a lot of power in that. But Well, for sake of time, Let's, um, I wanted to bring up James 1, uh, 26 and 27. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is wor religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, Michelle, we want to encourage ourselves and to encourage our listeners that Part of true religion is helping the widows. And um, so you have mentioned some things um, already while you were talking. And so I wanted to recap those. But if there's anything else that you can add to it, feel free. Um, you just talked about uh, just being lonely and wanting someone to be there. So I would imagine spend, people spending time with you is a blessing. Um, you know, of course, especially uh, you have probably hit a better groove now, but especially when it all first happened, your finance finances were something that you needed help with. Um, and when you yourself or your children have hard questions, just having someone to come alongside you and help answer those questions instead of you being the all, the only sounding board. And then um, just, um, I love how you touched on this prayer for strength during spiritual warfare. You know, you are even more vulnerable when you've lost your husband. And so people can come alongside you and just pray for literal strength against spiritual warfare. So um, is there anything else that you want to add to that? Or do you want to flesh any of those out a little bit more? Um, I will say a couple of things that um, I really, I did with a friend and we stopped because of the winter, but um, a prayer walk. So I have a good friend that on Saturday mornings, we would go on a walk and we would kind of chat about each other's lives. And, you know, you really get to know someone that way. We're walking and talking, we're sharing, and then just sharing prayer requests with each other. And it, they're just between the two of you, nobody else. 
And then while you're walking, you pray (laughs) and you know, you're walking with your eyes open, but you are praying to God Mm -hmm. and that, you know, there are so many Saturdays where it's my only day to sleep in and I fight it. Oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But then I go and just at the end, I just feel like I am on cloud nine because I've just had a time of prayer with God. I've poured out my heart to God. I've walked and had fellowship with a friend. And so if you have a widow or friend or widow friend, go on a prayer walk. I mean, that you will be so part of her life um, just because it's a way that she can pour out her heart. And you get to hear her pray. <laughs> and um, so that's that was one thing that has been a blessing to me. So I look forward to getting back to that in the spring. Always just be available. Like there were some things that I didn't know how to do around the house. And so one of the men from church would come over and take care of it right away. And um, so that was always really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to say, hey, can somebody come and help me with my sprinklers? And one of the guys from church would come over and help me. And um, I'm not that I'm putting in a plug for this ministry, but one of the ministries that my son got involved with was Fathers of Fathers in the Field. And it's a ministry where older men, not old men, but just men in the church can come alongside a boy who doesn't have a father and act as a mentor to him. And Mm -hmm. so my son was able to get involved in that ministry with an older gentleman in our church. And it has just been wonderful. Mm -hmm. the man is just such a godly man and he and his wife have just brought Scott into their lives and, and helped him taught him so many things. And that has truly been a blessing. So remember the kids and try to be there for the kids when you can and help them in any way that you can. If you can be a mentor, be a mentor. Each one of my girls has had that in their lives as well. I have two daughters and a son and, um, So each one of them can point to specific people in the church that have just stepped alongside and been there for them. And um, they will have close relationships with those people the rest of their lives. Um, And praying for them and just being a friend, giving them a hug. They're not a hugger, just (laughs) squeezing their hand, doing something. (laughs) Getting near their aura. I can go either way. Yeah. Um, And um, just be an encouragement, um, you know, as far as finances, if you are a financial person, help a widow or widower walking through the first stages of finances and don't judge (laughs) because they're going from possibly a two income to a one income or they losing the income and downsizing to whatever social security is coming in. And so they have to walk the balance of, well, I need glasses and dentist appointments and new tires on the car and the water heater is broken. The faucet is leaking all of these things and I have no money for it. What do I do? And so, um, you know, just coming alongside a widow and just helping her walk through some of those financial decisions Um, and helping take care of little physical things in the car 
seeing if she needs help with oil changes. Um, thankfully, we have family near. All of Chris's family lives here. And so um, Chris's parents have always been very active in the kids' lives and and um, and helping with cars and home maintenance and things when they can. My dad comes over and mows my lawn and <laughs> he, he sees it as a ministry to his daughter. And my mom comes over and does my dishes. And Aww, it so, is a ministry. You're right. <laughs> and it, it is. So, um, and I, I appreciate that. So, um, invite them to along to do things, always include them because they're already lonely yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so I have to admit, though, banquets are still hard seven years later. And I have lots of people at the church and I know everybody at the church and no one would say, oh, no, don't sit by me. But it's still very hard to go into a banquet knowing that no one's saving me a seat Aww. or you, you get your food and you're walking around and you're like, where can I sit? Yeah. I can sit at the table with all of the married couples or yeah. I can go sit at the table with all the old widows. <laughs> right, right. And so, the things that those are nuances that we just don't think about. And so I'm so thankful that you're verbalizing these things because I think a lot of people want to help. Uh, well, I would like to hope, <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes you're like, you just, you're afraid to even ask because you don't want to say something the wrong way or it's awkward and you don't want to make it more awkward. So I think these are just vital things for um, for us to to learn and to hear, you know, the rubber meets the road ways that we can help. Because, of course, we want to pray for you. And I bet a lot of people already are. But then the thought of, oh, I literally could offer her the seat next to me. I mean, those are wonderful, you know, little nuggets that can help us. Yep. And for the widow and the widower or anybody going through hard times, give grace to people. It's not just on the other foot. It's us, too, because people are still people and they say things not thinking about it and yeah. so many times they're just talking in you know voicing their own frustrations over a husband who is sick and now I have to do everything you know yeah <laughs> and they're talking to you who's like okay yeah I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. <laughs> but they're not putting the two to two together yeah so we have to give grace to people too so if you see another lady who was sitting all by herself, go up and sit with her. Yeah. So the, the shoe is on the other foot as well. We right. have an opportunity to minister to others. Yeah, that's good. So we can, we can be the one to walk alongside someone who is struggling with maybe not even being a widow, but is struggling with their own, um, their own loss or their own struggles yep. I mean, come inside and give them a hug and say, God is good. And yeah. look at me. If I can do this, right. through God's strength, you can do this through God's strength. Right. <laughs> right. Powerful. A few days after Michelle and I spent time together recording this interview, Michelle asked if she could add a few more things. Of course I said, yes, here's that final segment. One of the principles that Chris and I really learned together while we were married was joy and suffering that they are part of this life and even when we were married we would go through hard times but there was always joy hmm. as a widow there were many hard times and I did go through some hard times and in a way it was suffering not 
may be suffering from a disease or physically, but suffering emotionally, being a single mom, having to take care of everything all by myself. There was a lot of pressure on myself that I put on myself that I expected myself to be this perfect mother, mm-hmm. single mom, even though I had never planned on being a single mom. And there were a lot of heartaches that came just by mistakes or just learning in the process of growing. But there was so much joy along the way. After Chris passed away, there was a peace knowing that this was in God's plan. And there was nothing that I could do to change this. And there was a peace in that. And because I could know the peace of God through that, I was able to just grow. And even though I had hard times, they became less and less and less over the times. And one of the things with the kids, I didn't want to always be down in the dumps or always be moaning my situation. And so we did try to find some some ways to incorporate joy in our lives and and to enjoy this life that God has given us. Mm-hmm. Yes, we face the grief. Yes, we were sorrowful. Yes, we felt sadness. But there was still a joy in this life that we could partake of. One of the things that I did was I took the kids to Thailand to visit a cousin who was a missionary there. Wow. And just one day, um, well, we, Chris and I had decided before he passed away, before he even knew the cancer, that we had wanted to take the kids to Thailand to see my cousin and his kids because their kids were the exact same ages as ours and they all got along. And so after Chris passed away, I wasn't going to let that stop me. And so I took the kids to Thailand and that was a wonderful trip. The kids were nine, 12 and 13 at that point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes I had to remember (laughs) and it was such a wonderful time it was good for me to step out of the home and just know that I could do this yeah I could take the kids on a foreign trip oh (laughs) and it went really well and we have fond memories of that Mm -hmm. I tried to do other little trips with the kids we went over to the Oregon coast and spent a day there spent um, my youngest had her birthday so we spent her birthday there and um, just tried to live life in such a way that it wasn't always doom and gloom I encouraged the kids to be involved in church and the church camps and allow them to participate in activities that even any mom would probably be afraid of, but mm-hmm. you know, they're in God's hands. And so the kids got to go whitewater rafting, all sorts of just fun activities. I wanted them to enjoy life mm-hmm. and to experience all that God has given to us in this beautiful area of Idaho, mm-hmm. because there's just so much to do. And I didn't want them to just live 
lives that were closed off from everybody. I wanted them to experience people and I wanted them to experience life. And so I tried to really encourage them that way. And then just God was so good giving me friends, giving me a wonderful church that I don't feel alone. Now there are moments of loneliness because I don't have that constant companion, but I don't feel alone. And God was so good to bring in a wonderful group of lady friends and that we iron sharpened iron. We just encourage each other. And God has brought uh, jobs. I teach piano lessons, which I just absolutely love. And then recently I just started another job working in um, for our family business. Uh, Chris's family owns a business. And so I was able to work in the office there. And so God has just provided all of these things. I've been able to um, participate in ladies ministries. And I didn't let, I didn't want the death of Chris to stop what God was working Mm. in my life, Mm. how he was working in my life. And to just put that aside because I know that God does have a plan for my future and I can't wait to see what it is. Mm -hmm. And I know that God requires of me to be faithful and he wants me to be faithful to him. And he is faithful to us. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite verses, I guess, that I have clung to is, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. And I'm going to cry because there are so many times that I felt so weak, Hmm. but every time I was weak, I could always know that his strength was there to lift me up Hmm. and to build me up and to just keep going. Hmm. Verse 30 says even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but those who wait on the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint and i feel like that is my life right now seven years later looking back and seeing the the times when i was the most sorrowful the most sad or just fledgling, not knowing what direction I was supposed to take, feeling like a failure because the finances weren't doing what I wanted them to do, or the kids weren't doing what I wanted them to do. You know, all of these pressures that I was putting on myself, I just felt like I was failing. But in everything, God was always there Mm. to strengthen me and to show me the right path that he wanted for me. Mm. And now seven years later, there's still sorrow. I Mm. still cry when I think about the kids when they were younger and our family. And Mm. when I think about Chris and me and certain conversations we had, or when I have a memory of Chris and I'm talking to somebody, I will tear up. Yeah because that's normal and that's natural, but there's no despair. There's no Mm. hopelessness because I know that God is in all things and he has a direction for my life and he's working Mm. and I can see his working. And 
So that's the encouragement that we aren't alone, even though we may stumble when we go through these trials and we have the heartaches and we do feel weak, but God is there to strengthen us. And we just need to know that and allow him to strengthen us. And some of it's just surrendering our will to him mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um Well, and I was going to say, you know, the whole theme of this podcast is endurance, really, and encouraging people to endure. And um, that's why your name went on my list, because I know that, you know, in the in the Christian race, you um, you had a hard, a hard go of it. And um, and yet you got up and you kept going and. At the end of the day, that's what the Christian life's about is, you know, we're living this life and we're saved by the grace of God and then our race begins. And um, so, yeah, I just appreciate you for so faithfully enduring this very difficult trial. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, grief is um, some trials literally come to an end like you're. You're at a difficult place and you leave. Well, you're not at that tri- in that trial anymore because you've left that trial or, you know, a painful friendship, you know, that comes to an end. But I think grief is one of the unusual trials that it can last you the rest of your life, you know. And, and like you said, you're not at a phase where, you know, your grief is your constant companion, but still, you know, a memory comes up or you're talking to somebody and it does come back. And so um, I just I'm so thankful for your testimony of of enduring this grief and still looking to the Lord and still encouraging other people to look to the Lord. And I think that's just what what it's all about, you know. Right. And um, it's that faith that has its perfect work in us. It's yeah. God. God working in us yeah. <laughs> that's that work in us that keeps us drawing to him and right. when I do want to say one quote um, that I have really taken to my own um, it's actually from John Piper it says occasionally weep deeply over the life you hoped would be grieve the losses then wash your face trust God mm and embrace the life you have Mm -hmm. and I just wanted that to be the characteristic of my life because like you said yes this is the kind of grief that will stay with me and my kids Mm -hmm. not just me it's not just about me it's my kids and the brothers a mom and a dad who lost their son way too early Chris was only 37 and so that's a grief that it does it stays with us so but wash your face yeah trust god and embrace the life you have and i just i love that because it allows for the grief Mm -hmm. but then it points us to god and to trusting god and then to go and live the life that he wants us to live and not just stay stuck in our and i want to ask you um i've heard people say before who have been through this type of deep grief that they almost feel guilty like the first time they laugh or when they have a good time because it's almost like in that moment of laughter they're denying that loss did you experience that at all 
I didn't. And I think the reason why was because Chris and our philosophy was the joy and suffering. Right. And so I didn't feel guilty for laughing because I knew that that is, we can experience those simultaneously. Oh, that's good. And laugh and cry at the same time. Right. right. <laughs> and that's what we would do. We would tell stories about Chris and we would laugh and cry at the same time. Um, we would yeah. just have that that, you know, dichotomy of emotions. Right, right. Um, Jesus in Hebrews 12, he says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, mm -hmm. joy, suffering. Oh, he he faced good. that at the same time. And that was part of that. We understand that there's death and we understand there's suffering, but there's also the joy of the Lord. And mm -hmm. we have to, we have to understand that we experience both right. and we have to be okay with experiencing both. Right. So, and I never felt guilty for, for laughing or for having a good time um, because I know deep in my heart, I was still grieving and right. I could grieve and I could still enjoy the life that God had given to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the Piper quote was so profound too, because that's how I felt. Wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life that God has for you. Right. It's not all gloom and doom. Yes, there will be moments, but there's also joy. So mm -hmm. when I'd have my pity parties, mm -hmm. I'd wash my face. Okay, God, there it is. Mm -hmm. I confess my unbelief. I confess my simple heart of <laughs> pity parties. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do now? So what let, um, you bring up an interesting point. What what do you think is and I'm definitely um, hitting you with this in the spur of the moment. <laughs> so no pressure to knock it out of the park. But what what would you say is the difference between grief and a pity party? Because I think there's probably a distinct difference. And so how would you maybe? <laughs> oh, I think the grief understands God's plans. Okay. And is sad. Mm -hmm. The pity party is me. God, what on earth are you doing? Why did you, why are you allowing me to go through this? And, oh. and just being upset because I can't do this. And maybe mm -hmm. some of it's not necessarily pity party, but I think it was just mm -hmm. because I know I would be very angry with God because I can't do this. I didn't feel like I could do this. Right. And so do you think that there's an element of bitterness that goes into the, the pity party side of things? Yes, definitely. And if I God, I, go ahead. God were good. He wouldn't have let me go through this, right. but I know that he is good. Right. And I know that even though I have to go through this, I know that he will be there for me and provide for me. Yeah. And Sometimes, though, I think maybe even as a single mom, there just comes a point of just sheer exhaustion. Of course. <laughs> and you're already tired. And right. so that throws into it probably as well. Right. So I heard one quote, um, you're as spiritual as you are rested. Yes. So and, we, and well fed. <laughs> yes. So having that rest and that sleep is so important because if we get overly tired, if we burn ourselves out, mm -hmm. it's easy to despair and to be accusing before God and right. tell him he I, made mistakes. And <laughs> right. I got to go to a, um, a ladies retreat 
back in May and um, the guest speaker had a whole session on the word lament and it was so helpful for me and you know we just we have so many emotions pent up or not <laughs> and her encouragement was just like whatever the emotion is take it to God first and she showed us you know multiple examples in the Psalms of David lamenting to the Lord and um, and so I think that's just so important that aspect of whatever raw emotion you're dealing with in the moment you're just taking it to the Lord and I would imagine that as a single mom God would even be more your go-to for that kind of emotion because I know for me and I'm sure you were this way when your hubby was alive but I take everything to my husband first bless his stinking heart <laughs> And, um, and it's easy to forget that I actually should go take it to the Lord. And then usually he cleans me up and then I can <laughs> tell somebody else a better version of it. <laughs> so, but that was really helpful to me to, cause I think sometimes we feel like we need to have it all polished up to take to the Lord, you know, but no man, how, how powerful it is when we take it to the Lord first, just that lament process. So that was really helpful for my, for me to think through. So even your pity parties, you can you know, I think that kind of has that aspect of lamenting when we take it to the Lord, you know. I love what you said. I think you hit it on the head. I think that was it. Huh. Even in the pity party, crying out to God mm. because he knows our hearts anyway. He mm. knows our struggles. He knows, he knows every little thing about us. It's not like we're hiding. So that's my encouragement to widows. Mm. Take it to God. He is the one who can fix it. Mm -hmm. and he is the one who can heal. He's the one who brings comfort. He's the one who does ultimately bring the joy back into your life and give you a life that is worth living. That's powerful. It's powerful because God is so good. Oh, believer, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.